skip up and everybody gets nervous because I'm going to fall on my face. <laughs> but that means free entertainment. <clears throat> um, before I start, I just I want to say um, it's always just it's wonderful to sit here and be th through the services, listening to the Sunday school message, and then through the morning message, and then even the songs, and know that the messages couldn't melt and fit better together than than what I'm saying. I, I mean, uh, Rich and I did not talk about uh, what we were um, going to be getting up here and saying. I didn't talk to Dan about the songs, but the Here Am I song um, definitely lends itself to the message that um, we're going to be looking at today. And uh, the message that Rich gave forth this morning is just absolutely hand in hand with what we're going to be talking about this morning. So let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, thank you, for, thank you for allowing us to get together today and just be in your word and be able to learn something about your word. And thank you for just showing us, showing us how to understand your word and be able to delve into that and have your, the message come forth and join together uh, from different people and in different ways. Please bless this message and make sure that it's just coming from you. Thank you for everything that you do for us. In your name I pray, amen. All right, so I'm going to start back in Luke chapter 19, 1 through 9. And I realize that that's not the verse that I gave you guys. Um, that verse is actually towards the end. I'm sure most everybody is aware of the story of Zacchaeus. And um, my first question to you is, what are you called to do? What are you called to witness? Who are you called to witness to? How are you called to witness? One of the biggest things that we have to realize is that we always have somebody watching. We always have somebody that, whether it's a little child or it's a full-grown adult, whether it is someone who is fully grown in the Lord, somebody who's just been saved, and somebody who's never been saved, somebody who's never heard the word. Everyone is watching, and you are a witness, you are a testimony to somebody. And I want to go through several examples of people who are a witness and a testimony in a little bit different way than what we would think. So let's look at the story of Zacchaeus, and we're going to start Luke chapter 19, uh, verses 1 through 9. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. 
And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. Why is this story important in the terms of a witness? Someone who was seen by the town as a sinner, someone who was of no import, was like a little kid, climbed the tree because he wanted to lay eyes on God. He didn't know Jesus wanted to invite him to his house, or... He didn't know Jesus was going to invite himself to his house. But he presented himself and he wanted to catch a glimpse. And it was that childlike faith that he presented forth. Did he have any idea that we would have a kid's song about him 2,000 years later? I, I, I mean, that's the reason why everybody knows Zacchaeus because he was a wee little man. (laughs) But that's an example of, you have a testimony that can last generations. And Zacchaeus is a testimony to our children just because of his childlike faith, because he climbed a sycamore tree, because he wanted to see Jesus as he came into Jericho. You always need to realize that you, are, you have a testimony and you are, you are being watched. Your life that you are living is a testimony in your walk. I want to um, next go to uh, Judges. Uh, Judges 6. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. I am guessing that most everyone here has heard of Gideon. Gideon was a wonderful general and won many battles for the Lord. And, but when we first meet, him, meet Gideon, he's actually hiding from the Midianites on a wine press floor, threshing. Uh, let's go ahead and read. Uh, chapter. Let's see, Judges chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them to the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because of the Midianites, The children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains, and caves and strongholds. And so it was, when Israel had sown, that the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them, and destroyed the increase of the earth, till thou come unto Gaza, and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. 
for both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, excuse me, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drave them out from before you and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash the Abizarite and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. So we have heard many wonderful stories. You know, if we, if we sit here and read this, the accounts of Gideon, our memory of him tends to be of this strong leader and this strong general. But when we first meet him, he's tucked away and hiding from the Midianites, trying not to be killed because they're making food for the Israelites and they don't want to be captured. And Gideon was one where I'm sure he was angry about what the Midianites had done and he wanted to, to, to do something about it. But he also wanted to make sure that he was anything that he was doing was done of God. And he asked and tempted God several times because he was like, God, are you sure that this is, I am the person that you want to be? Am, am I the right one? And to the point of, um, well, let's keep reading. <clears throat> Uh, and Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told, of, told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us, and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. So he's already questioned God twice. Are you sure you've got the right person? You know, we feel abandoned here, and are you sure I'm, I'm low man on the totem pole? I'm not worthy of being tagged with this responsibility. Are you sure, you know, get Joe down the corner. He's probably better for this. God is tapping all of us on the shoulder to do something. God is asking us to do something. God is asking us to share our testimony, to share our walk, to share our, our, our belief with those around us. And we can continue to read, but he continues to ask that. And he, he's, the, the, 
I, I don't want to get bogged down in that, but we can do the same thing. We can sit there and say, no, 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 I'm not the right one. I, what did Moses do? You know, I'm a stutterer. You know, I'm not it. You know, I'm not a public speaker. Well, fine, I'll get Aaron to speak for you. Well, but we all have something to share. We all have, we all have a service to play to God. And the only way that we can do that is to make sure that we're in our Bible and to make sure that we're praying and learning from God and walking in our faith and sharing our testimonies with those around us. Uh, let's look at uh, Acts. Or, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Yes, let's look at Acts chapter 6. So the next person I want to look at is Stephen. And Stephen was one of the first deacons of the church. And it's not so much his walk beforehand that got him chosen as a deacon that I want us to focus on. I want us to look at what happens at the end of Stephen's life and why that's so important. So Acts chapter 6, verse 1, helps if I get there. <clears throat> and in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministrations. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them, and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Then they suborned men, which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses, which said, This man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. So Stephen was chosen as one of the original deacons, and he was a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. 
and he was doing the things that he was called to do so much to the point that the Pharisees and those that were in power that did not want Christians to continue reached out and said, we need to kill this man. We need to get rid of this man. He is not good for us to continue to stay in power. There are going to come times, and it may be coming sooner than later, but there are going to be times that we may be put in that position. And we need to know that our walk and our sharing of the gospel and our sharing of our testimony may put us in harm's way. But we also have to know that we have to trust God. So he sat there, and they're accusing him of blasphemy. And what did it say on that last verse? His face, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. And he sat there and preached at them. They weren't going to listen to his words when he was out and helping, um, helping the widows and... Um, Doing his other, de- doing the other thing, his other um, deeds that he had to do. He had an opportunity, so he sat there and took it and preached at them. And I want to skip. We're unfortunately we're going to skip over it for sake of time. But chapter seven, verse fifty-one. We're going to go seven, uh, fifty-one through sixty. Ye stick-neft and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. So he sat here and preached for who knows how long at them and then finally sat there and accused them of being murderers, of being uh, stubborn, of, of all the things that they're actually trying to accuse him of. And they didn't like that. They didn't want to take that. So continuing on in 55. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of their city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So he continued being full of the Holy Ghost and following through with his testimony to death. And he did this 
right in front of Paul, who saw it this time. But now it didn't have that effect of Saul immediately transitioned over to Christianity and Saul went on to commit many horrible acts before then. But it laid that seed. And that's the part that we always have to realize that if we're going to be up here and we're going to share our testimony, the first time you share that testimony with someone, it may not do anything. The second time may not do anything. And you may never see the fruits of sharing that testimony, of talking to that person. You may never see it. You may never see the results. It may be somebody else 10 years later that sees the results from it. But you laid the first seed because you were following what God asked you to do. We're all useful in that way. We can, we're not all, all always asked to lay down our lives in that regard, but we are all useful in being able to share our testimony, share and preach and teach the gospel with others. Um, Pastor Rob tends to share a story about D.L. Moody, one of the best preachers that, that you can listen to. The great orator for Christ. And one of the biggest things, it wasn't another famous orator or another famous person that led D.L. Moody to Christ. It was his Sunday school teacher who was worried about this, kid, this young adult who was working in a shoe store. Are we showing that much concern for those in our church, outside of our church? Are we sharing that much concern for um, the people who need to hear the word? How is God going to use us? Is he going to use us to preach, to teach? Is he going to use us to lead his armies like Gideon, to lead his people like Moses? Is he going to use our gifts? Or is he going to require us to com completely rely upon him? Uh, one of the examples that I skipped over uh, was of Gideon. Actually, let's, let's go back to that so that we can see what I'm talking about there. Judges chapter 6. I want to make sure that I... Okay, uh, chapter 7. Let's start in verse 1. Then Jerubal, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, 
The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. God wanted to give victory to the Israelites, but he wanted to do so on his terms. He wanted the Israelites to recognize that it was God's might, God's will that saved him, not their own. Continuing on, he whittled the, that host uh, from, does it say in the beginning? I don't see. But he whittled it down to 300 men to conquer over it. And then they never lifted a hand. They just made a lot of noise to defeat the uh, to defeat those Midianites, to make them scared and run, and ended up killing. They ended up killing themselves. Is he? God can use us in ways that we would have never imagined. God can use us to come up and use our gifts, and then He can use us and give us gifts that we never imagined that we had, because it's not us; it's God. One of the last examples of, uh, of using an ordinary man and using them as an example, I want to look at the thief on the cross. So Luke chapter 23. Verses 39 through 43. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we, inde and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. So the, man, the thief on the cross, we don't know very much about him other than he deserved to be there. It was just for him and the other one to be up on that cross and receive their punishment. He recognized who Jesus was and recognized that Jesus was innocent and didn't belong up there. And that is the example of how easy it is to accept salvation. There wasn't, there wasn't a redeeming quality that we know of at that particular time on that thief other than he recognized that he was a sinner and Jesus wasn't. God can and will use us. Uh, Ephesians 2. I know it's a lot of verses, and I'm sorry, but 
I want to back up everything that I'm saying so that, so that when Pastor Rob comes back, that... <laughs> We're going to start in verse 1 through 10. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Our good works do not save us, but we were created in his likeness to do good works and to share with everyone, the news about Christ. And then I have two more. Actually, I don't. I have a couple more verses. I'm sorry. Um, God is going to use us for this, and one of the ways that we have to be ready is we have to be ready. Um, I shared this verse with us earlier, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 2 through 5. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure inflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. And I want to share, um, I want us to also look at 1 Peter 3, and we'll, then we'll talk about it. 1 Peter 3, 15 through 18. Knowing this first, oh, I'm looking at the wrong, I'm sorry, 15. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. And also in all his epistles, speaking in them of all these things, in which there are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away from the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. We need to be ready. 
we need to be get ready to share, and we need to continue to grow in the Lord in order to be able to be ready to share. Because at some point in time, if we're not continuing to study, if we're not continuing to be ready, we're going to come across something that we're not going to be able to deal with. Not that we would have been able to deal with that on our own, but because if we're not staying ready and staying in the Word, we're not going to be able to rely on God to be able to get us through it. Um, I guess the last thing that I want to share with you is other than the other than continuing to read our Bible and continuing to um, do the works that God has called us to do, there's one last thing that we should be doing to make sure that we're uh, following God's word, and that's always be praying. And so in First Thessalonians, chapter 5, well, that's the reason why it didn't make sense. Oh, my goodness. I was reading the wrong verse. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And that is the conclusion of my lesson today. Um, the biggest thing that I want us to get out of this is the fact that we are always being watched and it is our responsibility to be ready and aware that we are being watched so that we can take those opportunities to be able to share our faith with others around us and for them to be able to see it. But don't be so consumed with the idea that, oh, I live a godly life, so that's enough. You have to share it. Just because somebody's watching you doesn't necessarily mean that they're getting everything from it that you think that they might. If you're not saying it, if you're not sharing it with them personally, speaking to them, they may not be picking up on it like you think that it might be. Thank you. Oh, um, Rich, will you close us in prayer?